the Fed to signal a policy pivot this week, according to Goldman Sachs. Again, I'd be surprised if they do anything like that overtly. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Federal Reserve meeting Wednesday, which will be coming up at 2 o'clock today with their latest decision on interest rates with largely a quarter point hike priced in. And certainly the big event will be what Jerome Powell and the Fed suggest about the path going forward, which we will dig into today, as well as how the gold and silver markets are looking in response to that. So... Let us start there, recording this early Wednesday morning, and gold and silver roughly flat, gold down $2, silver down $0.15 cents early this morning, and has been a bit of a volatile week in the gold and silver prices. Here we see $0.22 cents down on the Kitco chart, and the blue line with, shall we call it the middle finger pattern, as some referred to it on Monday. Then a spike higher in the afternoon or morning session, morning and afternoon on Tuesday, and basically trading right around that 25, 25 level. Similar pattern this week in the gold market. And again, obviously everything pretty much focused on what the Fed is going to say about their future rate hike trajectory in just a little bit. If you're watching this one during the premiere broadcast at one o'clock, then that means it's just about an hour until we get that meeting from the Fed. Obviously, the dynamic is that Fed's still trying to fight inflation and bring that down, which has not really gone perhaps as well as I think they might have hoped for over the past year. And we'll show some of the recent numbers on that. But in balance to that, obviously, in the past couple of months, the U.S. banking sector and banks around the globe have run into some issues. On Tuesday, we saw further decline in the regional banking sector. PacWest was down 20%. A lot of the regional banks were struggling. Again, that is the counterbalancing effect of raising interest rates, especially as quickly as the Fed did last year. Now they've been slowing down, but we're at that point now where we're starting to see the effects of the higher rates. A lot of the banks that held treasuries and mortgage securities that they purchased when rates were lower have been struggling as the rates go up. Some of those assets have lost value. And in net, that has left us this morning with the markets pricing in 85% probability of a rate hike, 15% chance of no hike. Taking a look at some of the probabilities going a little further out, we can see that the markets are pricing in this being the final hike and then cuts as early as September with another one in November, another one in December, and then just going down farther out. So the big thing that people will be looking for today is any sort of guidance, what Jerome Powell says in his comments to suggest what the Fed will do going forward. Personally, my view is that I don't think they'll say an entirely large amount different from what we heard at the past couple meetings that it's going to be dependent on the data. They're still focused on bringing inflation down, and that's going to be the key criteria. Obviously, the market will be looking to hear any comments regarding his thoughts on the banking issues that have popped up and continue to persist. Although so far to this point, at least publicly, Jerome Powell and the Fed have not indicated perhaps a great level of concern of these being persistent banking issues. Janet Yellen and Joe Biden keep coming out and saying that the banking system is 
strong and that there's not much issue here going forward. I'd respectfully disagree with that. Yet, whether Powell and the Fed are more concerned than they let on behind the scenes, I still tend to doubt that they're going to express publicly today at least a great level of concern about the banking system. And we'll have a message similar, again, to what we heard the last couple of meetings where they're focused on inflation. That's the number one factor. And they're going to stay open to the data and allow for the possibility of further rate increases. So we'll be interesting to see how this path develops forward. Again, we'll get a little more color on that in just a bit. And here is the CNBC preview of the events saying markets have priced in near 100% probability of Fed's going to approve a quarter point hike. Tree comes in how the central bank proceeds from here. Agree with that. But this one was interesting. Economic and market cross currents will lead the Fed to signal a policy pivot this week, according to Goldman Sachs. Again, I'd be surprised if they do anything like that overtly. Now, I suppose that does allow for the possibility that the markets perceive his comments as a pivot. But again, I'd personally be a bit surprised if Powell says anything regarding a pivot. He has refrained from doing that consistently over the past year. And I suppose in just about an hour, we'll find out for sure. Last one they have here, while the market is anticipating a dovish Fed inclined to halt rate hikes and start cutting later this year, severally high prices could change that. And that goes back to some of the data that's coming on inflation, where it is lower from last year, yet still elevated. Here, taking a look at the personal consumption expenditure index, the PCE that the Fed looks at, we can see PCE has come down 5.7 in back in November to 4.2% year over year in the last reading in March. PCE excluding food and energy from 4.8 down to 4.6. So still a ways from the Fed's 2% mandate, which again, I think is why it's going to be difficult or maybe not difficult, but why I think in the end, Powell is going to say something very similar to what he has said at the last couple of meetings. With that in mind, something to keep an eye on that perhaps we won't see quite so much today, but could come in going forward. Here was a note from Vince Lancy of Goldfix Substack, who does our Monday show here. And he mentions how Christine Lagarde from the European Central Bank actually mentioned the ECB can discuss changing its 2% inflation goal, but only after it brings inflation down to that level. So the idea that all of a sudden 2% may not be the gospel number written in stone. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some commentary out of the Fed like that in the months going forward. Don't think we'll see that today yet as they struggle to get inflation down to 2%. That is certainly something to watch out for. Uh, on the other hand, another one of the reasons why I think they may be forced to follow that pivot and rate cutting pattern that many have suggested is the commercial real estate market, which continues to give indications that things are not going well there. Here was a note from Rafi's recent column mentions in a Wall Street Journal article, one building, a 22-story glass and stone tower was worth $300 million in 2019, according to broker estimates. Building is now for sale with bids due soon. They're expected to come in at about $60 million, commercial real estate brokers say, which is a decline of 80% in four years. This is why regional banks are going to fail below the graph of regional banks' percentage of loan book in commercial real estate. And you see some familiar names there with Signature Bank. Also on the list, New York Community Bank, Valley National. There we see Pacific West Bank Corps. So 
these are the kind of reasons that led to the whole premise and what we've been talking about on the show for a long time, where it's great when you get the effect of the, or maybe not great, but seems great when you have the lower and 0% interest rates, quantitative easing. But when you try and undo that, these are some of the problems that come due, which sure enough, took perhaps a year into the Fed's interest rate hiking cycle to see some of that. But now we're seeing it, which is what has left the Fed in the unfortunate predicament that it is in now, where you continue hiking rates, you get issues like this. You lower rates, you get the issues of currency expansion and inflation, which is what leads so many of us into gold and silver. So certainly going to be an interesting afternoon today to see how the markets react. Guessing we will see a big move in gold and silver as well as in the stock market. So again, all eyes will be on that at 2 p.m. Eastern. Quick look at some of the silver data, taking a look at the registered stockpile on the COMEX, which had gone down to 30 million ounces, jumped back up. Current level is 33.2 million ounces. So far, the deliveries in May have been on the smaller side, a bit smaller than most were expecting at 1,687 contracts, which again is on the lower range there. So, so not a big change and something that certainly we'll keep an eye on going forward. Taking a look at the ETFs, you can see the pattern in the silver ETFs. This does include COMEX as well, but also the funds like SLV. And really over the last year, a lot of withdrawals. We saw that again as the price was declining last year. Few big inflows earlier this year, but for the most part, some smaller numbers, big outflow there. Another eight or nine million ounces came out two weeks ago and been somewhat flat, which is a different picture in the gold market. You can see that there have been some significant inflows over the past couple of weeks, almost two months now, with more fund and mainstream participation in the ETFs, whereas we have not seen that yet in silver. We've seen strong retail silver demand for physical, but not as much going into SLV or any of the other funds, even despite the recent rally that's been going on throughout this year that has left silver above $25, got as high as $26 early in the year, but We'll see what it takes to change this pattern. Perhaps the announcement today could be the beginning of that, seeing a change in some more institutional interest in silver. My personal feeling is that once we get closer to $30 and should we break that $30 level, that that would be really a bit of a line in the sand that would draw more attention in. Again, we got a glimpse of that two years ago during silver squeeze, but so far staying out of SLV at the moment. And another thing that we will keep an eye on going forward. One other thing that happened over the weekend that I did want to pass along that I know some of you are, have already seen or are aware of. Mexican Senate expeditiously approved set of laws mining reform. There was a proposal that had been going around in Mexico to make some more restrictive mining laws. And on Saturday, the Mexican Senate approved in an express session a package of new mining laws. Key one here is the mining law shortens concessions in the mining sector to 30 years from 50 years, tighter, tightens water extraction permits, requires some mining profits to be returned to local communities, or perhaps I would phrase that increases the amount of mining profits to be returned to local communities. Um, they had been trying to reduce those concessions to 15 years as opposed to 30 years, but 
something that is just going to make it more difficult to get silver out of the ground in Mexico as you make the terms harder for mining investment. Obviously, not the easiest thing to do already. And Mexico being the largest silver producer, the adjustment of these policies just going to make that a bit harder. Again, the latest numbers we've seen from the Silver Institute showed a large deficit that they expect to persist this year and in the years going forward. And now you add this on. So obviously, the Canadian Ministry of Commerce expressed its concern. They were not happy about it which is where many of the mining companies are headquartered. National Mining Chamber has warned such reforms could cost the country $9 billion in investments and up to 420,000 jobs. So there will be some impact there. And again, reminds me a little bit of some of the policies that you have with Going Green, where everything is based on more mining, more silver, more copper, yet at the same time permitting in a variety of countries that produce these metals and certainly getting things done in Mexico is becoming harder to do. So set up for a continuation of that gap. And while certainly not ideal for the mining industry is another factor that supports a bid in the actual commodity prices. So did want to make sure that you were aware of that change there. A few last notes before we wrap up here. Just wanted to mention that we do continue to see the states in the U.S. passing acts that are in favor of gold and silver. We've seen a lot of these come out recently. Here, Arkansas passes Legal Tender Act, removes taxes on gold and silver. Texas bill would create state-issued gold-backed digital currency. We talked about that one recently. And Mississippi becomes the 43rd state to end sales taxes on gold and silver. So a lot of states moving to more gold and silver-friendly policies which I think is interesting because at the same time we see the de-dollarization movement and countries looking at gold-backed central bank digital currencies or other forms of non-dollarization that involve gold backing. I think it's worth pointing out that, again, it's not just gold or silver bugs saying that gold is good, but we're seeing, even in the U.S. now, states looking at policies that affect gold and silver and expressing their concerns about the inflation. So... This is not to say that the U.S. is about to go back on a gold standard, although that might be nice. Yet does show that there is awareness of this, and it's not just a matter of people in the gold and silver community who think gold and silver would be good, but that this is actually permeating to some of the decision-making levels. And also, Ronan Manley's latest article goes through some of the developments in a bunch of the various states and talks about the different ways that some of these acts are affecting the gold and silver policies in the various states. You can find that at Bullion Star, another well-written article, as always, by Ronan, that summarizes some of these developments. And one other thing I did want to touch on that happened this morning, uh, just came out a couple minutes before I started recording here, but last night, Russia says Ukraine attacked the Kremlin with drones in a failed bid to kill Putin. And from what's come out so far, it sounds like Putin was not in the building and that the attack did not reach the Kremlin. I've seen some videos of smoke coming up, but it's not seemed like a lot of damage was done. Although, unfortunately, just another sign of escalation of the conflict there. And hard to imagine Russia or Putin taking this lightly. So... Perhaps I'll refrain from any further comment on that, but did want to pass that along as that was something that came out earlier this morning and I think we'll be hearing plenty about. And 
Anyway, going to wrap up for today, but did want to mention one final note uh, as BlackRock Silver, who is one of the sponsors to the show, they did announce some of their drill results from their lithium project that they have joint ventured with Tierlock Resources at Tonopah North. They have done 11 drill holes. They got three more drill holes back yesterday, all showing lithium assays greater than 1,000 parts per million with the highest value being 1410 parts per million. Thick zones of lithium mineralization above a 400 part per million cutoff grade have been inter intersected on all of the reported drill holes from the phase one program. This has helped them also to expand the suggested coverage area to two by 2.75 kilometers. And again, it is bordering American Lithium's TLC deposit, which again does not suggest that they will have the exact same thing as American Lithium, but certainly a good area that they are positioned in. They do have three more core hole assays pending, which will be back shortly, and we will keep you posted when they do come back. But here you can see the results from their drilling with each of the drill holes coming in with an intercept of over a thousand parts per million. And I will have the link to this press release in the description field below so that for the BlackRock shareholders and the people who are looking at the mining stocks, you can take a look there. Or also just click on a video that I recorded recently, shortly before these results came out with Andrew Pollard, where he gave an update on their three projects and how everything's coming along there. And that one is coming your way now.